far. It is that time of the week. This is the Ben on Politics podcast. Thank you for joining me. Yet another episode in the books. If this is your first time listening, I am your host, Ben Garvis, former congressional candidate and current social justice advocate. This week, I've been blogging like crazy about Trump and some seriously bad decisions that are arising, but I mean, I read every single piece of legislation debated on the House and Senate floors, every single presidential memorandum, and every last executive order to come out of Washington, and I'm honestly just a little sick. It's so incredibly disheartening right now, and I just felt like I needed a break. So the topic I picked today, while controversial, uh, removes us a little bit from the current bad taste in everyone's mouth. That being said, the topic I picked this week is a $15 minimum wage. A little bit of history here. So the minimum wage was first introduced in a law signed by FDR in 1938 as the Fair Labor Standards Act. It passed a $1.60 wage that honestly would be worth, with inflation, $11 an hour today. And that's where the biggest argument comes in, because the federal minimum wage right now is $7.25. It hasn't been raised since 2009. And for tip workers, it's even worse, because they can legally be paid only $2.13 an hour as long as they're in a state that doesn't have its own minimum wage and a job where an argument could be made that they are heavily reliant on tipped income. And I have a really good example of how outdated these laws are. For example, the Youth Minimum Wage Program enables employers to pay only $4.25 to individuals under the age of 20 for up to 90 days, uh, with with a clause that says that they can't displace uh, a long-term worker in order to pay somebody that wage. Let's talk demographics. Who makes the minimum wage? Average age of a minimum wage worker is 36, and actually 37% of minimum wage workers are older than the age of 40. At the same time, 3 in 10 have children and are trying to support a family, and 62% of minimum wage workers are women, which is a huge driver for income inequality. For example, and on the flip side, only 4% of Fortune 500 company CEOs are women. Now, as far as inflation goes... The minimum wage really hasn't kept up. I mentioned earlier it was last raised in 2009 to $7.25. During that period of time, the cost of living has actually increased more than 12%. And frankly, the purchasing power of the minimum wage was highest in 1968. And since then, the overall value of the wage has fallen by at least 25%. And the minimum wage is actually a bipartisan issue. Ten presidents in the history of the minimum wage from both parties have actually approved increases since its inception under FDR. 75% of Americans support gradually increasing the minimum wage to at least $12.50 by 2020. And the same survey found 63% of Americans support an increase to $15 an hour by 2020. Just like any issue in the United States, the states also reserve the right to have power over these things. 29 states and the District of Columbia have actually passed minimum wages above the federal standard. Uh, Two states have set the minimum wage lower than the federal wage, 
which are Georgia and Wyoming, both at $5.15 an hour. And in those states, the federal minimum wage supersedes the state minimum wage. So in Georgia and Wyoming, uh, employees are paid the federal minimum wage. Now, five states have actually never passed a minimum wage, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Tennessee. And again, in those states, the federal minimum wage applies. Not that you needed the legal lesson. Now, cities can also take actions. For example, San Francisco has passed a $15 minimum wage that will go into effect by 2018. Seattle and uh, SeaTac have done the same, $15 but by 2021. Chicago's passed a $13 minimum wage by 2019. And San Diego has their minimum wage raising to $11.50 this year. The fight for 15, which is what this movement was called, has won minimum wage increases for about 17 million workers since 2012, 10 million of which will get the full 15 by the time their individual cities finish up ramping. Companies are taking action too. So awesome companies like Ikea, Gap, Walmart, Target, and TJ Maxx all have internal initiatives to always pay employees well above the minimum wage. Let's talk a little bit about the types of individuals that would benefit from a minimum wage increase, and then we'll delve into common myths. So 90% of individuals making the minimum wage are actually over the age of 20. Teenagers only make up a small fraction of wage earners. What we're actually fighting for is all of these people who are not living with their parents and don't have somebody take care of them that are trying to go out and support themselves or support their families with these below poverty line wages. Now for all of my Tea Party listeners, all three of you, uh, let's talk about the myths because I know these are the items that you're always the most passionate about. So first argument that you'll hear from somebody is that raising the minimum wage will hurt businesses. There are a lot of case studies out there, but one I want to point to is Costco CEO Craig Jelinek, who uh, is adamant that through the work that they've done at a higher rate than the minimum wage, they've seen employees are working harder and sticking with the company longer. There are also some nonpartisan research policy centers like Demos and the National Employment Law Project that have studies that say 66% of low-wage workers don't work at small companies. They actually work at large corporations, which partners with another interesting statistic that the 50 companies employing the most low-wage workers in the U.S. pay their CEOs an average of almost $10 million annually. Those companies also returned $174.8 billion to their shareholders in dividends or share buybacks from 2007 to 2012. So they have plenty of money to pay employees higher wages. There's also this misconception that small business owners don't support the raising of the minimum wage. But a survey of a 1,000 small business executives conducted by Lutz Global, which, by the way, is run by a Republican pollster, found that 80% of those executives supported raising their state's minimum wage. 60% of small businesses actually support raising the minimum wage to $12 or higher. And one in five of those businesses already pay employees a minimum of $15 per hour or more as an internal initiative. Oh, and one more. 
Uh, More than half of small business owners believe raising the minimum wage will help the economy. And actually only 38% of them disagreed. And I do also have one more common argument. Um, That is that raising the minimum wage will result in job losses. So uh, first thing I want to point to is Washington State. That's the same Washington State that has... Uh, the city of Seattle raising their minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2021. The fact is they're actually far outpacing other states in job growth right now. Cornell University reported that in the last 20 years, raising the minimum wage has had no effect on employment in the restaurant and hospitality industries, obviously one of the industries employing the most minimum wage workers. That same study also noted that there was strong evidence the increases in minimum wage did truly reduce turnover in those companies. The University of California actually did a study on a county that was increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour and found out that it would actually result in an increase in jobs at the county level in the the county in question. Uh, The gain was actually about uh, 5,000 jobs at the county. Things like additional money being spent by those receiving the minimum wage increase are the things that drove job creation in that county. The Center for Economic and Policy Research uh, reviewed dozens of individual studies and found that it had absolutely no effect on job creation, let alone a detrimental effect. Uh, Another study by University of California, Berkeley, uh, studied the same thing and found the same results. This is just one of those things where there's so much information out there that points toward this being an amazing thing for the people of the United States and for the economy of the United States. It, It makes it hard to sit down and think that I have to write out some big, long Uh, summary or conclusion for you. So I'm just going to let it end at that. Don't forget to check out my blog, also known as Ben in Blog, now available on Apple News. That's exciting news. I also have a ton of other exciting news. The Ben on Politics podcast is now syndicated on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Podigy, TuneIn, and Google Play. For those who need to find it anywhere and everywhere, it is now available anywhere and everywhere. Stay tuned next week when I blog about equal pay and for my next video on marijuana and its legalization. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Ben on Politics podcast, and I am your host, Ben Garbus. See you next week.